How are you doing this morning, brother? Hey, doing pretty good, man. How, how are things over there in Chattanooga today? Oh, they're doing well, doing well. Family's keeping me in line, just like yours keeps you in line. And, you know, uh, excited about the things God is doing. Uh, just yesterday I had the privilege and the blessing to participate in a pastor's breakfast where we all uh, got together, fellowshiped a little, and then prayed together. And the Holy Spirit just fell in power. I mean, it was just a powerful time of prayer and fellowship, and it was a true blessing. That's awesome. Awesome. How, how about yourself? It's going well. You know, family growing and um, got a mission trip planned here uh, for next month. I know you and I have talked about that. And um, just got some things on the horizon that, you know, we're really excited about. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about what we're doing is we're both involved in missions, and we don't see that as ever stopping. We look at missions not only as a a broad thing, as in going into other nations, but also local. And that is also one of those things we can steward, kind of what we're talking about today, you know, stewardship. But we're going to kind of segue into how does stewardship look in the confines of your work, like your workplace. And first and foremost, I think we have to remember God created everything. So in the very first verse of the Bible, we see that God created the universe, the earth. He created you and me, commanded everything to be with the word. You know, he developed all the animals, all the vegetation, and then he began the principles of stewardship. And by doing that, he actually, when he created Adam and Eve, he put them in charge of the Garden of Eden and of all of creation. He even told Adam to name all the animals. So what did he do there? He Number one, he dictated or he gave responsibility and authority over to Adam to be the steward of the earth so that they could be the caretakers and watchmen for this planet. That's good. Yeah, so one of the things that you're, you're mentioning there, and again, we see this built into creation, was that God put them in the garden, and their job was to tend to that garden. And this is before the fall, but they were to tend to the garden. And, and what I would say is each one of us has a garden. And if you think, you know, to those who are listening out there, what's your garden? Um, And right now we're referring to the workplace. Of course, when it comes to stewardship, there's a lot more. There there are several more realms of stewardship. Right now our focus is your workplace. So you have the garden of your workplace, as it were. It's been entrusted to you. The gifts and talents that you have have been entrusted to you. And I saw something here on Facebook uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and the quote was, and you know, you'll, you'll see a quote, and then it has the, the slash, and it tells you who the quote was from. Well, this one was from God, and it said, I've given you everything you need. You lack nothing. And I thought that was really telling. And if we look at our workplace environment and, you know, we say, well, this person has, you know, they know so, so-and-so or, you know, they have, um, these gifts, and they can speak better than I can, and they can, and I think that's where we get into uh, we get into the problem, is where we focus on 
what the other person has and their talents, and we don't focus on what God has given us. What's in our hand? Just like God said to Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? Moses is busy saying, I can't speak well. I can't do this. I can't do that. Send somebody else. God's like, I give you everything that you need. What's in your hand? And we sometimes don't recognize that God is what God has given us currently in our current profession. So we have our garden. It's our work. How can we maximize what is under our control and our management for his glory? Yeah, the first thing that kind of threw kind of pops out at me as you're talking about how can we implement this is the story of Joseph, especially when it comes to him being thrown into slavery and in Potiphar's house as he's the slave in Potiphar's house, gets promoted, and then he gets thrown into jail. I mean, if you look at it, here's a young man that gets sold into slavery because he really pisses off his brothers. That's just the short end of it. You know, he finds favor, though, in the house of his master because he does such a good job stewarding the master's possessions. So he found such good favor that he was made the head and the overseer of Potiphar's house. Nobody except for Potiphar was over Joseph. And it wasn't until Potiphar's wife kind of saw Joseph as that up-and-rising young man probably thought, well, he's a good-looking young man, and this sort of chasing after him, that Joseph made the decision, I have to honor my God who has promoted me even in my tribulation, even in my captivity, I've been promoted because God has been faithful to me. So he honored God, and he ran from Potiphar's wife, and because of that, Potiphar's wife got angry and falsely accused him. Well, when he got thrown into jail, he, again, even though he probably had very deep emotional hurt, he pushed through it, and he honored God, and he was a good steward to anything and everything he could put his hands to. And I don't believe he waited to find things to do. I believe he was a man of intent. He intentionally sought things out to get done. He was naturally a leader. Leaders don't generally just wait to get, get, you know, to get an assignment. They say, okay, this needs to be done. X, Y, and Z has to take place for the final outcome. So let's make this happen. And they take the bull by the horns, and they wrestle it to the ground, and then they make it happen. And I believe that's what we see with Joseph. He saw what needed to happen in any circumstance he was in, and he made the best of his situation, and he wrestled that beast to the ground so that he – could outshine the darkness around him and let his God, Jehovah, be the one that gets the glory. And because of it, God always made sure that he was promoted to the top. But he was a steward. He was a steward of what he was given. And it led to him being the top in, in Egypt. Just Pharaoh alone outranked him. He actually wore the signet ring of Pharaoh. He had so much authority. So... Stewardship is crucial. We have to be good stewards of the work that we do for our employer, the work we do in our home. You know, so when our wife says, hey, honey, have you mowed the grass? We really shouldn't complain, even though we really want to. We have to be good stewards in our church as we work in the church. Anything that we've been gifted to do, we are called to steward those things 
and work those in the earth. Wow, that's good. That's good. He, there's so much there. There's so much there. And I was reading today in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs um, chapter 12, and I'm going to paraphrase. Um, I read it in uh, New Living in Spanish, and something so powerful there. It basically says when you work hard, working hard, Will, will make you a governor or, or a manager, basically, put you in a position of leadership. But That's when good. you don't work hard, somebody else will manage you. And so there's a principle there. It's, it's literally wired into creation, like we've gone back to the garden again. But hard work brings a reward. And here it is in Proverbs 12, 14, uh, verse 14. This is in an NIV. It says, from the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. And so it goes back to the idea that God blesses our work. He doesn't, he doesn't bless laziness. If you go throughout the book of Proverbs, you'll see that the fool, a lot of a fool's ways are associated with laziness, um, a, a lack of a sense of urgency. And now if we take it full circle and we go back to the parable of the talents, uh, which is laid out in the beginning of this call, uh, you'll notice that the attitude of the wicked servant was one of he was full of excuses. And that's one thing that we don't want to copy here. We, we don't want to emulate this, uh, the foolish pattern that he had. He's full of excuses. Uh, he was fearful. And he's, he was really negative. He had a negative mindset. You know, number one, he's judging his master, saying that, you know, you're a hard man. So he's actually falsely judging him because he's actually a good man. He, he's given him authority over his stuff. He, he, he gave him an opportunity. He gave him an opportunity to actually to make money as well. So he was a good man, so he, he falsely judged him. And then number two, he had a very negative mindset. You know, I was fearful and... And everything was I, I, I. If you, if you think about it, he's focused on himself. He's focused inwardly rather than outwardly in how to make his, his master um, a profit. And so when we're, we're at work and we're looking at our garden that, that's our work, how are we benefiting our master? How are we glorifying God in our work? And a lot of it has to do with literally leaving an example for others around us. They could look at us and say, wow, there's something different about you. The way you go about your work, the way you grind, just speaking today's vernacular, the way you grind yes, is sir. different than the way everybody else grinds. What do you got there, brother? Well, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 says, Go to the ant you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wired. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Oof. Now, we keep talking about a garden. The one animal or insect that's the most predominant, at least in most gardens, or in any na nature setting, is an ant. Mm. And that ant continuously works tirelessly. It is one of the best stewards of time I've ever seen. Mm. And because of it, when winter comes, it has sufficient stores 
to keep it and its nest and its queen and its larvae all provisioned for the winter. It can last the storm because it has made time and provision. How much more do we as Christians need to be good stewards of our work where we are in our workplace? Wow. There's so much there. There's so much there. We're talking about here not working with a slack hand. As Christians, we shouldn't be the type of employee who's clock watching. When is the time to go? We shouldn't be the type of employee that's always looking for the easiest way to do something. We shouldn't be the type of employee that's looking for an easy route. But no, how can I maximize my time here? How can I how can I have my company make the most money? You know, a lot of times I think that I've seen these employees. I've been that type of employee at some points in my career where you think, man, my company makes so much money. Uh, you know, this, this stapler, wasting this, these staples is not a big deal. Or wasting this paper is not a big deal. Or I need to make a copy and I'll, I'll go out and I'll just use the copier here for my own personal use. That really points back to character. And although man may not be concerned about those trivial things, God certainly is. And he's looking for us to display character in our workplace. We should be that, right. that beacon. We need, to, we need to display that Christ-like character in whatever we're doing, no matter how minimal or how great. I'll give you guys an example now. Um, there's a, you know, I work as a loan officer, and I'm helping, um, I was helping this client get a home and ran through a couple of scenarios, and this client actually incurred another debt, which made it very difficult to get approved to the point to where the house that she was looking at, she's not able to get approved for because of this additional debt that she acquired. I ran through all the guidelines and all the regulations and simply just couldn't make it work. So I told the agent, the realtor who was helping the client out, that it wasn't going to work and I had to break the news to the client. Uh, about two days later, the agent calls me and says, I found a lender that would do it. And so I brought it before my, my boss and I told him, I said, you know, there's another uh, lender that's going to actually do this deal. And he told me there's no way they can do it without cutting some sort of corner or doing something unethical. And if that's the case, let them have it. And it was phenomenal advice. And, and what we have to do as Christians is, yeah, that, that deal could have been worth, you know, uh, north of $2,000. But was it worth my integrity? Was it worth our integrity as a company? Absolutely not. Again, we're stewards of what God has given us. And there, there are penalties that you know, one can receive from man, but ultimately we have an audience of one, and God is the one who's looking down and seeing. He, he judges the intention, thoughts, and purposes of our heart. So let's recognize that when we're working, we're working it unto Christ, ultimately. And if we do that, we're going to be the best employee out there. We're going to please our boss, and and all those things are just a byproduct of our working to working for Christ. Remember that ant that my brother just brought out. Working hard, constantly. Guys, we never want to wrap up our calls without giving you the opportunity to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9-10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. 
If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please pray this prayer after me. Lord, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you are saved. And we are so excited and would love to hear from you. At the same time, the next step for you is to get involved and planted in a good Bible teaching church. This will help you grow and learn about the wonderful life God has for you. We would also like to invite each and every one of you to check out our ministry page. You can do this by going to mooseministriesinc.com. Here you'll find links to connect with us, read our blog, and keep track of our different projects as we take this adventure in spreading the gospel. God bless.